Hello, and welcome to Business Talk, brought to you by Business West and Living Local. Hi, I'm Chris Kellogg from the Kellogg Crew Morning Show on 94.7 WMAS, and I'd like to introduce our host of Business Talk. He's the editor and associate publisher of Business West. Here's George O'Brien. Oh, good afternoon, everyone. Uh, Welcome to another episode of Business Talk. Uh, I'm George O'Brien, editor of Business West Magazine. You know that already. Uh, What you don't know is who our guest is. Uh, It's an intriguing guest today. Uh, We're continuing a a series of podcasts on Business West 40 Under 40 winners for this year. Those of you not familiar with 40 Under 40, I think the, the name on that program pretty much says it all. We're saluting rising stars in this area, people who are under 40 which means I could have qualified for this uh, about a quarter century ago, but that's that's another point. Anyway, our guest today is Joel McAuliffe. He is the Deputy Chief of Staff for State Senator Eric Lesser, and he's City Councilor in Chicopee, or is it Councilor or Alderman? Uh, city Councilor. City Councilor. Used to be Alderman, but we've updated a little bit over the years. All right. I, I thought you had, but I wasn't sure. How are you today? I'm good, George. Thanks for having me. Yeah. Well, we're happy to have you on. Let me start by saying... Uh, I've really enjoyed doing 40 under 40 over the years. We get a great uh, mix of people. I, I think this year's class was was an amazing class of people. Uh, we always get a good mix. We get some entrepreneurs. We get a lot of professionals, the lawyers, the accountants, the bankers. We like those entrepreneurs. And then once in a while, maybe one a year, we get those public servants. That's not a dirty word anymore either. Public servant has become a good word, actually. And, and I enjoy those public servants. Uh, they're, they're giving their time to the area's communities. Um, it is part of business in, in some respects, but uh, it goes a long way to uh, creating a, a quality of life here in Western Mass. And uh, I love saluting our public servants. So with that, talk about how you got into this. This is something you've been doing for a long time. What did you run for uh School committee in Chicopee when you're in junior high school? Oh, I'm exaggerating, but not much. <laughs> well, it, it, not quite junior high school, but when I was in high school, yeah. So um, I've always sort of taken a an interest in politics and uh, decided that when I was in high school that um, that maybe I might have some good ideas that, that could help our city in Chicopee and particularly our schools because I was in the education system at the time. And I ran for school committee uh, first, uh, was unsuccessful, um, and got the bright idea to try it again and was unsuccessful again. Um, But what I learned in those two experiences was an awful lot and met a lot of folks along the way, and and that helped uh, lead to uh, a position in the mayor's office in Chicopee in 2014. Uh, I was the communications and special projects manager for the city uh, during that time frame. Learned an awful lot there about just how complex even a city as moderate sized as Chicopee is uh, about what it takes to run the day to day. Uh, And over the course of my time there, got involved with a campaign of a young upstart uh, state Senate candidate named Eric Lesser, where uh, I found a found his message uh, to be really uh, something I could believe in, something uh, that would excite me as a, as a person. So I started volunteering, making phone calls, knocking doors for him, showing up at his office, and we developed a, a friendship. And shortly uh, thereafter, in 2016, uh, decided to uh, take me on as a, a, in his office, and I've been with him uh, ever since. 
Talk a little bit more about what you do for the state senator. Then I want to get back to Chicopee for, for a minute. Uh, we don't talk about Chicopee too much. We usually talk about the area as a, as a whole, focus a lot on Springfield. But we'll talk about Chicopee in a minute. But uh, what do you do for the senator? Well, it's, uh, it's a long list. Um, and we'll pull back the veil on the work of a staffer, if you will, uh, during, during this episode. But uh, it, it's, uh, I started off in the office as uh, the director of constituent services, which uh, is the day-to-day management of the needs of our constituents, whether it's you know, help with uh, uh, health insurance, whether it's help with unemployment, whether um, it's any sort of issue that you might be having with a, a, a state agency. Uh, it's our job to interface, uh, interface with the public. So I did that for uh, two plus years. Um, some folks left the office, uh, and then uh, I was promoted to um, di- di- uh, district director, uh, and then shortly after that, deputy chief of staff. Um, so we're, we do all things from legislative work, constituent-facing work, uh, interfacing with the business community, the nonprofit community, and I really... Um, have viewed my role as is someone who is in the Western Massachusetts office uh, as someone who uh, helps uh, continue the the breadth of contact and, and relationships uh, that the senator has and helps keep people informed, brings their concerns back to Boston and to the senator and, and make sure that whatever we are doing on a day-to-day basis, a week-to-week, month-to-month, uh, is really trying to improve quality of life here in the Commonwealth. How did, how did COVID affect all of that? There must have been a new category of concerns and issues, not just for residents, but, but business owners as well. That must have kept you busy. Yeah, it, uh, you know, we are a very busy office uh, in normal times. Um, the senator, is, as folks probably have seen, is uh, anywhere and everywhere uh, working on a host of issues, and we pride ourselves on that. Um, it's, it's, it's something that we hold really dear, but... Uh, once COVID hit, um, you know, we were going from a, a few hundred calls a week to close to a few thousand. So the need, I think people really understood, uh, if they didn't before, how valuable government is in general uh, and how, uh, how helpful elected officials could be in helping them navigate uh, what is a complex state government. And so uh, we were helping folks, uh, all hands on deck from the chief of staff down, including the senator, with working on unemployment cases, insurance cases, uh, businesses that needed help getting PPE. Um, We really, uh, we were all hands on deck, uh, pretty much working 24-7, and it's pretty much been that way uh, throughout. What are the nature of the calls now? I imagine you're you're adding to the COVID mix, probably calls about unemployment insurance and the problem that businesses are going to face with that as well. Give me a kind of gist of what the calls are like these days. Yeah. So, you know, it's still some of those same issues that people are, are struggling. We, we know unemployment continues to be an issue, uh, but a lot of it has started to change towards the, the reopening uh, and how to rebuild right after COVID and help businesses and people succeed. And so um, that's really something that's key to the senator's message. It's 
part of a lot of work that he's done based on the bills that we filed uh, and that um, we continue to advocate for uh, in the legislature. Um, we did some work uh, that the senator passed a landmark legislation uh, earlier uh, last year, uh, the uh, economic development bill, which helps lays the groundwork for a lot of growth, uh, the Endure Act. So it, it's, it's, it's really about uh, now transitioning, uh, Lord willing, out of a pandemic and into a time where uh, if everything goes the way we hope uh, and the trajectory continues, that uh, we'll be on our way to a recovery and building back better uh, in a way that uh, is sustainable for the Commonwealth. Now, I know high-speed rail has been one of the senator's uh, priority items. Uh, Is this something that you've been working on with him as well? Yeah, it was actually one of the reasons I became such a big supporter of of his back in the day is because um, it's something that really spoke to me. And and it's about the the inequities between uh, Boston and Western Massachusetts. And as someone who lives, grew up uh, in Springfield, lives in Chicopee now for my teenage years and adult life, it's it's seeing how those inequities affect us on a day-to-day basis. And you know, Western Massachusetts is a wonderful place to live, work, and raise a family. Um, but we need to have access to good-paying jobs and all the other resources uh, that have been part of the, the Boston metro economy. And what you start started to see um, as part of the pandemic is folks sort of migrated out of the big cities uh, and found other places uh, that were uh, maybe easier to live and ride out a pandemic when you're not on top of everybody in a, a big city like Boston or even New York in some cases. Mm-hmm. So they started to move out here in Western Massachusetts. Uh, and we're seeing that, um, you know, for instance, myself, I'm in the process of looking for a home. We have a, uh, a housing market that is as uh, competitive as it has ever been, at least Good in my lifetime. Right. It's been quite a challenge, Um, but we're no longer competing against, you know, folks that are from around here. You're competing with folks who want to move here uh, for a lot of reasons of, you know, just it's it's a great place to live. The the pace is a little bit slower. Uh, You can go to a local park. You can afford things more often. That was always part of the reason why we uh, the senator thought East West Rail was a good idea. And so you're seeing it play out in real time, I think. I think the the pandemic escalated a lot of trends that were already happening. Um, And so the need for that has never been greater. And, um, you know, credit to the senator. I mean, this was something that a lot of folks thought was a wide eyed idea back in the day when when we were knocking doors and making calls in 2014 to aid his candidacy. And and now it is at the the top of public consciousness. uh, And it is something that folks uh, demand at this point uh, happen. Very interesting. Do you think this has created uh, more momentum for this? It's hard to tell at this point, but uh, you're right. Uh, I think COVID has, in many ways, uh, provided uh, uh, perhaps more emphasis to link both ends of the state now uh, because there are more people living out here that used to live in Boston, and they can still live in Boston. But this is still a pretty steep hill to climb here. Well, you saw it in the last couple of weeks, right? The, the, the press conference talking about the need to, to link the, the Metro Hartford area uh, to Springfield and to Boston. This is a regional approach that's it's really important. You know, Hartford is a major metro economy that connects itself to New York. If you can connect New York to Hartford, Springfield, and Boston, um, just think of what that will do uh, for the economy in, in those areas. So, 
I think it certainly has escalated the need. Um, folks, you know, re remote work is not going away. Uh, in fact, we're seeing some businesses even entirely close down their office buildings for savings purposes because they've seen productivity levels from the workers working from home at, uh, at rates that they have never seen before. So folks are going to continue to work from home in certain industries, which means they are not going to need to live in Boston or New York. And if you can, you know, buy a, a great home in, in Western Massachusetts for $350,000, $400,000, depending on where you're moving and, and have all that other expendable income, it's good for you as a person, but it's also good for the community where you'll be spending that money. So yeah, I think it's only enhanced the need. All right. This is Business Talk, a broadcast presented by Business West in partnership with Living Local. I'm George O'Brien, the editor of Business West Magazine. We are talking today with Joel McAuliffe. He is one of our 40 under 40 winners. He is the Deputy Chief of Staff for State Senator Eric Lesser and a City Councilor in Chicopee. Uh, let's talk about Chicopee for a minute. You grew up in the city. Uh, this is the second largest community in Western Massachusetts. It's got great highway access. Uh, it's got a lot of wonderful neighborhoods, but um, like every city, it, it's got its issues these days. Uh, what 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 are we looking at doing in Chicopee? I know you're working on uh, creating a high-speed internet access, and you've actually got that project uh, pretty far off the ground. Well, Chicopee, as you said, George, is uh, a tremendous community. Uh, it has, holds a special place in my heart. Uh, because of the people in it, uh, very, very special people, community oriented. Um, it, it's just a great place to grow up uh, and, a, and a great place to live. And, um, you know, after my two failed uh, school committee races, I didn't really know that I would ever run again. I know I wanted to be involved. And then an opportunity presented itself with uh, one of the counselors in, in the area that I live leaving in 2017. And so I decided to throw my hat in and um, was lucky enough to win uh, and then win a re-election again the term after that. So it's Chicopee is a city that is um, uniquely positioned, particularly uh, after this pandemic. Um, we started, um, you know, a, a project for municipal broadband several years ago. In fact, uh, the, the formation of the project um, I was sitting at my desk in, in 2015 doing some research um, and ultimately uh, saw some of the other, other things happening across the country, like in Chattanooga, Tennessee, where they uh, developed a, a, an internet utility based off their municipal electric utility. And so I went, after reading about that, I knocked on the mayor's door and said, what do you think about us doing this? Uh, and within seconds, he was on the phone with the electric light general manager. Uh, there were meetings that happened shortly thereafter. A feasibility study was funded. Uh, and it came back with some really great information uh, saying that we should do it. And in typical Chicopee fashion, there's a price tag associated with it. And it scared a lot of people off. Um, and so from about 2016 to early 2018, not a whole lot was done uh, in terms of advancing the concept of that project. That's one of the reasons I felt very strongly about running for city council is because um, while there is certainly is a price tag of building something like that, there's also a price tag associated with not building something like that, right? right. Um, because I would hear regularly from folks about how expensive 
their cable television was, how expensive their phone bills were, how expensive uh, their internet access was. And so there's really very few ways uh, someone running for office in a municipality can do anything about that because we certainly don't have control uh, over the big cable companies. We can't force them to lower their rates. Uh, but what we can do is find a way to compete. And Chicopee, you know, to its credit, is uniquely positioned because in the 1800s, uh, they developed a municipal electric utility. We're one of the few communities that do have that. So uh, we were able to uh, use the funds from the electric company, use the surplus funds from the electric company to get this off the ground. The response has been tremendous. It's been hugely successful. They just surpassed their thousands customer um, and they continue to build out with zero debt associated with the program. And now people are saving money. You're talking, you know, what kind of way can you impact a senior on a fixed income on social security? Uh, more than taking their $150 cable, internet, and phone bill and cutting it in half. And that's what we're able to do in a lot of instances uh, because of the savings associated. It's the fastest speeds uh, in the country, and it is uh, supremely affordable compared uh, to the alternatives. So I'm very proud about being able to do that. But the reason I think it uh, puts us in a position for success so much uh, is because not only is it good for residents and businesses and it helps them save money, it also presents you with an opportunity for economic development, right? Because the, the wave of the future here is going to be uh, remote work. It's going to be uh, tech companies that need access to those high and reliable speeds. Uh, and we're able to offer that and supremely affordable electric rates. Um, and so uh, I'm super excited about the direction that the city's going. And I think there's a lot of potential. Oh, great. Let me ask you one more in a few minutes that we have left. What's it like to be a city councilor in the era of COVID? I mean, these are positions where you've got to get out and, and meet people and see people and meetings at night and, and gatherings. Uh, you can't do yeah. all that in COVID. You can't even go to City Hall. I think <laughs> City Hall is open now, but uh, that must have been, and it's not over yet, but it, probably right. a very different experience. Totally different experience. Um, it, it As I said before, it escalated a lot of changes that were going to need to happen anyway. Um, and so now remote access to meetings, we've actually seen increased community participation in our meetings because the remote option is available and folks don't have to come and sit around for a four hour city council meeting. They can uh, zoom in. Uh, we've seen uh, improvements to bill pay, uh, access to folks be able to pay their bills online. We've made things easier to access. Um, the response from things like the Council on Aging has been tremendous, our food service program. Um, so the, the, this, uh, this really unearthed the, how, how impactful government, particularly local government, could be in responding to a crisis. Um, and I think, as was the same with state and federal government, people realized just how important it was to have a functioning government with people who know what they're doing. Uh, and I think that's made a big difference. Let me ask you one more. How do we get more people to get involved? Uh, you, you said you got involved at a very early age and you kept that going. I don't think it's my imagination that, that fewer people want to get involved these days. And 
how do we, we prompt more interest in, in public service and, and getting people to run for these offices and serve their cities? Well, civic engagement is a big part of that. Um, you know, the data shows if people get involved at a young age, they're more likely to continue to stay involved uh, throughout later in their lives. Um, I had a, an interest in it, but not everybody realizes that the government impacts them, whether it be local, state, or federal, until it needs to impact them, right, until something in their lives pops up. So that's step one. Step two is a lot of the voting reforms that you uh, saw come in during COVID that are potentially going to stay long term. We'll see what happens with that at the state level. But we saw some of the highest uh, turnout in uh, a state election here and in particularly in Chicopee, but in the Commonwealth as a result of those. So making it easier for people to vote. Once they start voting, they have a habit of voting and getting engaged. And the, lot, the other part of it is, is breaking down those barriers, George. It's making it easier for people uh, to get involved. Uh, I've heard from so many people who, you know, wouldn't have been able to participate in serving on city boards and commissions but now because uh, we have the remote option, they're able to do that, participate and uh, be part of the community. Those are the kind of trends that needed to change. And um, one of the positives, if there are any from COVID, is um, that we adjusted the way we operate because of that. So that's how you get people more involved in their community. Um, and we're seeing it. We have a slate of people running for office in Chicopee, the last two cycles are higher than it has been before. And this time there's great interest in it as well. I think that only continues. Well, this is an odd year. So I assume that uh, there's an election in Chicopee this year and that your name will be on the ballot. That's the case. Yes. All right. Well, good luck with that. And thank you again for joining us today. I really appreciate you joining us, uh, showing uh, our, well, showing off our 40 under 40 class of 2021 and enlightening us on a number of things in the process. So thank you again. Yeah, thank you, George. And a tremendous honor to be part of such an esteemed class. And I want to thank Business West for continuing to put this on and highlight such amazing people doing work in our community. Okay, well, thank you again. And thank you to all of us for tuning in. I'm George O'Brien, the editor of Business West Magazine. You've been listening to Business Talk, a podcast presented by Business West in partnership with Living Local. We'll see you next time.